Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to a new decade, a new month, a new year, a new podcast episode. I am head over heels that you are choosing to listen to the Mind Body Musings podcast to start out this new decade. Not only that, this is the first episode of the Mind Body Musings podcast for this decade. And I chose to release the episode I did with Michael Bates for this new year. Because we are talking about a topic that is also fairly new to a lot of people. We're talking about a subject or even an idea that's really new to a lot of people. And that is polyamorous relationships. And we also talk about a man's intuition. Something you very rarely hear about. As well as being in the stillness to allow the energy that wants to come forward in your life come forward. Rather than forcing it just simply sitting and being and allowing it to grow from that place. But definitely I would say the the heart of this conversation is around communication and meeting new layers of yourself through a venture like being in a polyamorous relationship and what comes from that. Michael has been poly since 2014 and he just now, at the time that we recorded this podcast a couple weeks ago, entered into a monogamous relationship. So he has a lot to say about his time being polyamorous as well as going into this monogamous stage of his life once more and why he's doing that. Lots of really, really insightful pieces in this podcast episode and I am a very big fan of Michael now. I was already in admiration of him and and what he stands for and the work he does in the world but now after feeling his presence and having this conversation with him I am a big believer in his work and I know he's doing some really powerful work in the world right now and I'm really delighted by how many men I've had on the show recently I've had a lot of men on don't know why specifically I've been called to do so I think I've just been really called to hear their voices the men who are really doing this work, who are standing at the front line of this divine union we're creating, and not just a divine union, as you'll hear Michael talk about in this podcast, but a divine human, divine everyone, allowing everyone to have a voice, no matter what gender or sexual preference or orientation you are, allowing everyone to just become love, to speak as love and live as love, and do what we need to do in order to be that and test things out. And so that brings us full circle back into this conversation of polyamory because a lot of people move into this space so that they're making room for more love. So, Michael Bates' mission is the evolution of masculine consciousness across the planet in our lifetime. He loves helping men, women, and everyone in between find creative and lasting ways to cut through resistance, to find true purpose and deepest love. He travels the world in partnership as a transformational coach, leader of men's work, workshop and rites of passage facilitator, 
ritual creator and curator of ecstatic experience. Get ready to dive into this episode, especially if you're even somewhat curious about polyamory, or even if you're not curious about polyamory, this is a great episode to listen to just to educate yourself on why people do it in the first place, what gifts could be within it. Because it's more than likely that you have someone in your life, at least, that is polyamorous. Uh, I have many friends in my life that are polyamorous, and I'll, I'll share more in this podcast episode, a recent venture that I've taken on with my current lover. So stay tuned for that. Okay, I've got some free gifts on my website. You can go to maddiemoon.com forward slash free gifts to get more goodies, including a list of the top 10 most popular episodes on my podcast in the realm of feminine and masculine. So if you've been wondering, how do I get all the most popular feminine and masculine episodes you've done? Well, I've got a list of them and they're on my website now. And I also have a list of four different embodiment practices you can do any day under 10 minutes. That is available on my website absolutely for free so you can start diving deeper into your feminine journey and your masculine consciousness today. Last thing that I'll share is that this is the final few days, four days to be exact, to sign up for the Feminine Spirit School, which is my one-stop shop course for all things learning your feminine, masculine, shadow sides, which means the repressed sides of you, healing your ancestral lineage, going into your your playful, creative, childlike spirit, sensuality, sexuality. If you're wanting to work one-on-one with me, but you haven't yet done so, this is a wonderful way to be introduced to my work and have things, have tools, have worksheets, have things you're going to do in the actual world, exercises and practices you go out and do And you can start doing them now because we're starting next week, January 6th, we officially begin together. And not only do you have eight weeks of great content to dive into, you also get two embodiment uh, sessions with me live. So I'll be doing group live sessions. So if you're interested in this at all, reach out to me if you have questions. If you want to just go ahead and sign on up, you can go to maddiemoon.com forward slash feminine dash spirit. You can see testimonials there. You can see the people who do guest contributions, including my personal teacher, John Weinlin, Ashay Sandora, and so many other beautiful, insightful feminine and masculine embodiment teachers who submit some practices. So if you want to get those practices and have these tools to keep for your entire life, because you have lifetime access, you can go head on over there, grab them, sign on up, join us. You will not be disappointed. There's so much goodness waiting for you when you tap into the feminine and masculine spirits within yourself. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the Mind by Musings podcast. You never, ever miss one. Every single Wednesday, you get a new episode, which is so exciting. You don't even have to think about it. You just open your phone and va va voom, it's there waiting for you. Hit subscribe, follow along on this journey for the next year. And let me know if you have any questions whatsoever about this insightful podcast with Michael Bates, all about polyamory.
My first deck. Your first deck. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Goddess guidance. Would we were all so lucky. Would you like to draw one too? I th- I'm going to trust you to draw one for the collective here. All right. Collective experience. I used to be super random with just sort of the way I drew. I'd just be like, okay, that one. That's me. But now it's like I've started kind of experiencing like like heat differentials in my palm. So it's like it kind of and, – and for me, the job of trusting that over my rational mind, trying to be like, you're full of crap. And what are you, what are you thinking? Yeah. So that's a good – yeah, there's something in there. Yeah, well that's easy. Okay. <laughs> wow. Narrowing it down. Our, that's our lady. Let's see who she is. Oh. Mm. Bridget. I think she's an Irish, a Celtic goddess. I think she is as well. Yeah. Don't back down, it says. Stand up for what you believe is right. Mm. Mm. So in this podcast interview, we mm. are going to be standing up for everything that we believe in Indeed. fully. Yes, please. First, be quite clear about your intentions. If you are unclear, then confusion will lessen your power and force. Mm. Like a candle in the dark, be very clear and bright in what is acceptable to you in this situation. Make no mistake, I will guide and protect you. Mm. Awesome. That feels good. Perfect for the Mind Body Musings podcast. Yeah. I love her decks, too, because they're very clear and concise. Like some of the decks, it just goes on and on for pages, which is good in some conditions. But sometimes you just kind of want to get to it. So first question that I like to start this podcast with is what are you currently musing about in life? Just what interests you in any realm in life? Any realm in life. Wow. Um, Wow. What a great question. Well, I'm getting ready to move to Colorado for three months, um, which is super exciting. Um, I keep expecting it to be nerve wracking and it's not. Um, I think largely because kind of like what I just sort of shared with the deck, um, there's an aspect of my own intuition that's coming online in a new way. Um, that's sort of making me realize just how long I've been going without connection to my sort of intuitive self, to my, to my belly, to my gut. And it's kind of hilarious because I, I think it wasn't until like five years ago that I even considered that men could have intuition in a way because you always hear of like feminine intuition and I grew up with a mother who was just super powerful queen matriarch goddess creature um, with her tarot decks and all this kind of stuff and so it's just kind of like witnessing the ability of the feminine to be what I think is sort of almost the innate nature of the feminine um, when she's connected to herself, which is the oracle, which is the ability to sort of divine um, the next thing to do. So for me, it was just like feeling so sort of trapped in my own head and sort of so connected to the rational machinations of my intellect always trying to make my decisions um, that there's a real excitement right now that's sort of, I guess, burgeoning that's the word right Mm. burgeoning in me um because it's like i feel like i'm i'm sort of coming into this trust of my own intuition and realizing that um that there's a masculine side to that too um whatever that even means it's like you know we're in this amazing moment now where men women masculine feminine what's what who's what things are shifting but Mm. um for me it's uh 
Yeah, it's really cool. I feel like I'm I'm starting to develop uh, some powers of observation in a realm that I haven't had before. That feels really, really good. Like actually feeling spirit or whatever you want to call it, intuition, um, guiding me like in my decisions. Like, oh, I want to I want to move to Colorado. And then immediately my conscious mind will start. Oh, well, uh, you know, you should think about this. You know, is this a good idea? And, you know, uh, really. And then there's just this sort of other voice or other frequency now. It's almost like a radio like tuning knob that I feel like I can sort of tune to something else mm. that's that's offering information in a new way. And now my job is just to try to trust it because often it'll just tell me things that seem ridiculous. And so it's like, yeah, leaning into that mm. edge a bit. Yeah. And, lear- and really learning from the women in my life um, that I'm so blessed to have in, in many different ways that are that are more connected to that, that realm of decision-making, I guess, so. Do you remember where you were when your intuition first said Colorado, what you were doing, how you treated oh. that voice when it first popped in? <laughs> I laughed. Yeah, <laughs> it was there was there was such relief there because I think for me and so many people I know, um, it reminds me of something I, I, I remember Eckhart Tolle saying that the two impediments to enlightenment are um, the pain body and the thinking mind. And he talked about, you know, women having a clear advantage in both, that, that women are actually more uh, innately dis- disposed towards enlightenment. Um, and so there is this this just deep relief because I feel like I've, for, for most of my life, haven't had that guidance. It's just I've been trying to do it. I've been trying to sort of, you know, listen to my guide or that still small voice or that, you know, inner knowing. But haven't really been able to find it and in the, in the past few years it's definitely started emerging but there's just this this deep relief that comes when there's something in me that just knows that this is the right way to go mm. and I don't have to go into that bouncing around of the intellect that is like and it's an amazing tool the intellect obviously but it, I don't know that it's designed for <coughs> excuse me certain forms of decision making Mm. um because it's just limited it can't see around corners it it doesn't have access to certain i guess methods of sensation and different apertures through which things can be felt it's only the five senses so to to start to step into other realms and i won't get too esoteric with it but i felt really amazing it was like this i almost wept there was this just Mm. deep sense of relief to feel something so deep in my body mind like in my not not in my well, not in my head, not in my intellect. That was just a yes, do this. And then this sort of trust that's there. So it feels really good. Now that I think about it, most of my life has been based off of intuition, not intellect. Mm. I never until this moment I'm really realizing this because the intellect is really something I, I struggle with mm-hmm. of looking at the bigger picture and how the parts can equal a bigger part, like and what's the smartest move. Yeah. Typically I just go with the gut instinct and and I move a lot. Like I just pick up like a thief in the night and move because there's a part of my body that's like, you need to live. When I went to Colorado, it was the same thing. When I transferred colleges when I was younger, it was the same thing. When I came here, I was living in Colorado and there was this voice that was just like, Williamsburg, Williamsburg. Like mm. that is the place you need to be, Williamsburg. Mm. Never lived there before. And I just was like, yeah, um, this feels this feels really good. Even though for most of my life, I resonate with being a, a masculine type Mm-hmm. goal-oriented human, I really don't think I am. I think I've identified with that 
but when I meet people who really truly are in the masculine and mm. live in the intellect, I'm like, actually, I'm not like that at all. That's pretty different from how I am. And that is fascinating to be able to see the pieces in that way and how we're learning each other's different, like strong suits. What would you mm. say for men as a whole, men do need to, to learn how to listen to their intuition more. This is a very important conversation yeah. because we do talk a lot about a woman's intuition. Yep. We don't, I've never even heard of a man's intuition. Like right, that's not right, something right. we say. Right. And a woman's intuition is very important for us to begin to bring that back in when it has been squashed for so many years of being called crazy, you know, from un other unconscious people we're Absolutely. learning, but also alongside us, we need men to learn how to listen to this voice as well. So what would you say to men who are also like, oh, listen to my intuition. Where is that? Mm -hmm. What's a starting point for them to slow down enough to even hear that voice? Yeah. Well, I think you just said it. It's, it's slowing down. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's getting quiet. It's listening. And, you know, the, the tools that the, the intuition that the gut has to speak to us are body sensations because it doesn't speak in a linear language. And I think that's why, you know, and, and we're just going to, we're already in it. So let's just get into it. You know, sort of the, the, the stereotypes of masculine and feminine energetics, mm -hmm. right? Um, that the rational sort of linear, like a to B thinking is sort of the, I, I define it as a sort of a masculine way of thinking and the feminine being more um, intuitive, more sort of a plus D equals question mark. <laughs> yeah. And for so long, that's been, that has been considered crazy because to a rational mind, it doesn't make sense mm. and the rational mind can't understand that. So mm. I think it's really sad that there's been so much um, crazy labeling put on women, but there's it's just because it's a completely different way of, it's the other side of the coin of approaching things. So I, for me, it's been useful to sort of use that terminology for, for you listening to this or for anyone else. You know, it might, it might be prohibitive, so I would say, you know, find your own words for it. I do a lot of work with, with men and women where we'll use the terms like claim versus surrender or presence versus invitation to sort of talk about those sort of mm. opposite sides of the spectrum that are really just, you know, like placeholders in a way. Like we live in the third dimension and in order to sort of move in time and space, you have to have two points on a grid in order to be able to navigate in any sense of up, down, left, right. So for me, they're just, they're just markers. They're points on a grid. And most of life is lived in between that space. So uh, to get back to sort of your, your question, um, getting still, being quiet, that's part of why I'm going to Colorado. My nervous system kind of needs a break from Brooklyn and being in the city <laughs> for 16 years. I had the, the amazing Whoa. experience. Yeah, I've been here for 16 years. Wow. Right after college. So, um, I did a play in Europe this summer. Uh, I'm an actor as well. You're an actor? Yeah. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Yeah. I've acted, started acting this year. Amazing. So I'm like all in the acting world. Oh, it's so good. I kind of had a small inkling that you were. And, I, yeah, and now I'm, not, yeah, I'm, now I'm yeah, remembering yeah, that I wanted yeah. to ask you about that. Well, it, I, to be honest, acting was a huge part of, of tapping into this side of myself, of tapping into my um, creative, intuitive aspect, you know, specifically working on the emotional body. I mean, I... I had those first moments in acting school of feeling like my my life on stage was more authentic than my real life because I was suddenly I had permission to access my anger. I had permission mm. to access these parts of my emotional body that 
I hadn't been giving myself permission because of my upbringing. I mean, we all have this. We all have yeah. these places where we hold ourselves back because of information that we've gotten. But um, I think whatever you can do to get quiet. For me, meditation has been a part of my mm-hmm. life for a long time. And I know for some people, there's there's a lot of buzz around meditation right now. But it can be incredibly intimidating, too, because there's thousands of ways to meditate. And how do you do it? And if you're not used to it, it can be really difficult to just sit down for 15 minutes. Um, so what I do with a lot of my coaching clients is we start with five minutes of just turning everything off, sitting down with your eyes closed and just, just watching the breath. Um, I mentioned it earlier. It's like, there's all this, the, the, our intuition is always talking to us. I really believe that always. It never, never stops. You can't, you can't kill it. You can't remove it from your body. It's always there. It's just operating at a volume that I think is a lot more subtle than most of the information, especially nowadays with all the technology that we're getting. So turning off your phone, turning off your computer, getting into a quiet space and starting to listen. There's a lot of different techniques. I use a lot of apasana techniques of breath counting or um, uh, metta equanimity practices or even um, body scanning where you're sort of scanning your body for just what you're feeling. And I think for men particularly or for humans that have a a hard time sort of feeling things, um, just starting with what are you feeling right now? Mm-hmm. Okay, what am I feeling right now? And like uh, three words, what am I feeling? Uh, okay, I'm excited to be here with with Madeline. I uh, was a little warmth in my chest and I uh, uh, feel a little buzzy. So it's like just starting to just name what you're feeling um, is the sort of the, for me, the, the process or practice of starting to turn that volume knob up on another form of intelligence that exists in our bodies. And for me, it's, it's, it's not about supplanting or replacing the intellect. The intellect has a, uh, it's important. It's really important. It's not about making yourself wrong or that's something I love to do is beat myself up and yeah. make myself wrong. I didn't meditate for 15 minutes. Oh, I was distracted. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, maybe that's not quite the best process. Mm-hmm. But yeah, getting getting quiet, investigating different ways to do that. There's lots of different ways to sort of access that part of ourselves, whether through breath work, through music, through dance, um, a lot of different pathways. Um, there's a great book called Stealing Fire. Um, that I really recommend. I, um, Jeremy Wheel, I think is his last name. Um, it's two guys that wrote it, actually. But it, it's uh, all about sort of the entry points to ecstasy, to ecstasis, and oh. sort of these points of of flow state. Um, mm. I think I'm sort of accidentally changing the subject a little bit. Yeah, I like this, though. Yeah. I like this. really fascinating. Mm. That's one of the foundational points of making better communication, I found, is mm-hmm. just saying what's happening with the body. Like me and one of my girlfriends just had this like uh, little, um, yeah, I just for lack of a better way to put it, we had an argument Mm -hmm. and we still had it in a very conscious way. And the way that we started our argument was it was started through text. And she wrote to me like, I'm noticing as I'm writing this to you, my heart is pounding, Mm -hmm. my hands are shaking and I feel my face getting really red and I'm afraid of what you're going to think when you read this, but here we go. Mm. And that right there gave me such a clear, uh, visceral experience of what she was feeling. And and that to me was more powerful than anything else she could have said. Even anything that followed is knowing how her body was experiencing what she was about to say, how she was scared, how she was frustrated. Mm. I could feel all that happening in my own body and it made it all of a sudden much more relatable 
to know, oh, she's shaking, she's afraid, she feels red, she feels hot, she's angry, she's hurt, she's yeah. feeling pain underneath the blame or whatever is about to come. So that right there is really powerful. And we can get there through this meditation, through simply knowing, like, what is happening in my body? Okay, I notice my hands are clenching, or I notice yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And for men especially, like, the meditation is a masculine practice. It's mm -hmm. going into this state of nothingness rather yeah. than ecstatic dance, which is right. a practice of the feminine. Which is, I think, a really important point to make because there, for me, there are two big entry points into that practice, into the, into the practice of finding my center, into the practice of my intuition and my, my, yeah, sense of reality. And that on the one hand is my map, my, what I would classify as these masculine practices that are more about emptying out and getting still and getting quiet mm. and listening from that side, going into nothingness, no thingness, meditation, breathwork, that's crucial. But for me, there's this balance on the other side. I've been dancing five rhythms for over a decade. It's my medicine. Mm. It's what allows me to go into, into those stillness practices because it's like I'm, I feel fueled on the other side of the equation as well. So for me, one of my teachers talks about um, energetic agility as sort of this... Um, Justin Patrick Pierce. Justin Patrick Pierce. Yeah. That's the one. I've talked about energetic agility. It's one of yeah. the best ways to describe going in between these different states of alpha omega and omega. Absolutely. And to me, to be honest, Justin Patrick Pearson and, and, and London Angel Winters is his wife and partner. And, um, I've been, I've had the deep honor of being their, their workshop assistant for a couple of years. And they're, mm. they've been my main teachers. Um, all of us sort of coming out of a bit of David Data's work. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm from John Wineland and Kendra Kunov's side. Yeah, assisting yeah, yeah. with them. Amazing. Yeah. We should Amazing. assist together sometime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we actually all assisted for David. Um, John oh. and myself and Justin at one point. Um, Are you going to David's in North Carolina? I am not. Okay. I am not, un unfortunately. Are you going? I think I'm going to go to the three-day. Amazing. Yeah. Is this, will this be your first experience with him? With David, yeah. Oh, yeah. Should I'm I go? Because oh, I'm kind of like, maybe, I don't know. You should go. Okay, then, yeah, I'm going to go. I'll just preface it with this. Um, my first w workshop with him, uh, which is where I met Justin and John, uh, who are already assisting for him, um, I, sp I spent those three days pretty much in a meditative state for three days. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the work that we were doing, but also just David's... He spent a lot of time in practice. And I think with a lot of people that, you know, you can call it whatever you want, but there's a certain quality that they've, um, cultivated about themselves. I, I, on the other side of the equation, I feel it with Ama, Amaji, the, the hugging saint from India. I have heard her name like oh, five goodness. times just in the past, like two months. Oh goodness. She, she makes her tour uh, in the States during the summer usually. And she's in New York, usually always around July 4th, around the, the Independence mm. Day holiday. I, I try to see her every year because it's like, it's just incredible. It's an incredible experience. To, and I get within, I, by the time I get within about 20 yards of her, I'm tripping, man. I'm just like, tri it's like wow. walking into a vortex. And it was like that with wow. me for David too. What is she known for? Like what, is she, is she an author? Is she a speaker? No, She's not at all. She, she, she gives people hugs. She gives people hugs. And I think to me that's that's such a interesting um, co uh, differentiation. I think between sort of like a, a masculine form of I don't need, I don't want to use the word, but sort of higher vibration or closer to an enlightened state. I don't know that either of them are that. I don't want to get into that. You know, we could 
argue that, but um, that I think there's a reason why most of the saints and literature that we have through history, that all the all of the sort of enlightened ones are men, because I think that the the male mind or the masculine sort of does write books and does mm. stuff in that form, but that the feminine just kind of is. is. She just is the teaching. Yeah. She is the emanation. So there oh. are people that can write a maybe a book about her. There's you know she's got this whole retinue that goes with her around the world, but all she, she just is herself. That's oh, I just love that you just pointed that out. Yeah. That feels so good. Yeah. That's the lesson that I think. Like I'm touching my body. I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh my god, this feels so good. Yeah. That I, people need to just sink into that right here of just knowing that the feminine's gift is simply being within all of us too. Oh. It's just like there's this beautiful feminine essence to you yeah. and you don't have to go build a business around mm-hmm. it for it to be seen. Yeah. And that's sort of the, the, I think the beautiful gifts of a lot of the tantric literatures and Kashmiri Shivaism and all this stuff where it, it, it's, it really is both. It's not, it's not a, one is better than the other. It's that, you know, the, we spoke about it a moment before that the the you can qualify the masculine realm around like being like just be like I my mom used to make me so angry because from the time I was a little kid she's just like Michael you just need to be yourself just be yourself don't worry about it just be just be who you are and I was like what the fuck does that mean like mom what, what does that mean I don't how do I just be myself yeah um, mine used to always say remember who you are mm. and that still bothers me to this day yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I am who I am I don't need to remember it yeah 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 just yeah. yeah of course of course <laughs> but it's like you know the data and, and justin and, and all of us we sort of talk about like consciousness and light as sort of the the two emanations of masculine and feminine what mm. they sort of rep as representational pieces sort of on that grid of oh this is here and this is here and life lives in between those two places um but that yeah consciousness just is there's just an isness to it. There's not. There's literally nothing to do. There is nothing to do. Mm. So it's like the practice of doing nothing is something we talk about, and I I struggle with it. But that's mm. sort of in meditation. Like that's that's what I'm trying to sort of do is to try to do no thing, and then from that no thing place, that being place, authentic doing starts to flow. Not from the mind, like, oh, I need to do this, or how do I build my business? Oh, I need to, because I read this article, I need to, you know, get a bunch of followers and write a fa-. It's like, no, what is, for, for me at least, the authenticity of what I feel like I'm meant to be doing, what is the next intended thing, very naturally flows when I can get into that state of just sort of doing no thing and waiting, mm. and just waiting, and just waiting. Um and then the doingness, all the sort of things, yeah. um, is sort of contextualized in more of like the feminine realm. So it's like almost like the evolutionary principle. Like on the one hand, like everything is perfect. Everything's perfect exactly how it is. Beingness and consciousness is just perfect. They're just, they are. It's perfect. Like you are perfect just the way you are right now in this moment. Absolutely. 1000%. That is actually true. And what is also true is that... Um, Jesus Christ could have been a little more loving. The Dalai Lama could be a little more peaceful. That a blade of grass is perfect as it is, but it's still growing. It's still it's still yearning for something more. Um, I can't remember if it was Justin or London. I feel like one of them sort of talked about um, like a, a woman could have twenty orgasms, you know, that oh, night. Oh, like, ha- yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it was London. Uh, t- of course, it's London. Um, I love you, London. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> my favorite London maxim is your no gives you your yes, by the way, which is, mm. she's so amazing with that. Yeah. Um, but that, uh, uh, oh my gosh, 20 well, orgasms, 20 orgasms, right? Orgasms. And you have, you have the most mind blowing sex of your life or the most, you eat the most delicious piece of cake or chocolate you ever had. And you're just like, Oh, perfect. Guess what? You're going to wake up the next day and you're going to want 21 orgasms, right? Yeah. So I think or five minutes later, you're ready for the next. Yeah. Round. Right. And I think that's the point that for men or the masculine is really confusing because yeah. it's like, wait a second, I did this, I pushed this button, I did this, and then she had an orgasm. Oh, I, what do you mean Isn't I can't just do that again? Isn't that enough? And can't I just do that, that same sequence again tomorrow and mm-hmm. it's going to work? Mm-hmm. So in a way, the, the gift of the feminine, I feel, or, or omega to use Justin in London's terminology is um, it, 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 it just keeps things fresh Mm -hmm. it keeps things from becoming robotic Mm -hmm. it keeps things in the moment that the moment is always changing and the moment always wants more and and difference and so it but that's that's the trick it's it's not one or the other it's both it's the paradox of both are true and i i believe this this sort of extrapolates in all directions in all forms i think politically even um, both are correct. You need liberalism and you need conservatism. They're both correct in a lot of ways. This sort of argument right now around uh, sort of the, the, the whole political landscape, it's like it's it's not either or. It's bo- like both have good qualities and both have bad qualities. And it's like can, can you, can we, can I recognize that and sort of realize what parts of myself are served by a more um, conservative way of going about my my daily life, more structure, more you know regimentation. It can be really useful. It can also be really prohibitive, depending mm-hmm. on what we're, what we're what we're looking at. And then the part of me that that needs more more liberalism, more freedom, more flexibility, more creativity. But only having that and no structure can be really insane. So. There's medicine, and this is again comes back to the idea of energetic agility, mm-hmm. and and where where is your medicine? Where where do you naturally sort of lean? And if we can sort of and data talks about this and sort of like leaning into your edge, like finding where your edge is, and then yeah. applying the medicine maybe of the other pole, the other aspect. So mm. using polarity, using these <clears throat> these ways of looking at things and looking at the world medicinally and to become mm-hmm. medicine medicine men medicine women yeah yeah i get emails from people all the time saying things like <clears throat> am i weird for is it weird of me to and yeah. this goes perfectly into what we're saying about society taught us like anytime you say am i weird for you're saying basically am i different than the way society taught me to be right. in regards to blah blah, blah. so i think that's right. the first thing in order to realize mm-hmm. like when we're starting to see that oh there's great things about being liberal there's great things about being conservative like it's never supposed to be black and white in any aspect of life and i think this is a good segue because i'm trying to get better at these segue things into talking talking about wanting it all like polyamory Mm. Mm -hmm. i'm very excited to chat with you about this and, yeah. and polyamory again like I even I, I told my Instagram I said hey I'm gonna be talking about polyamory on the podcast what questions do you have and someone had said something like 
I'm really into the idea of polyamory and my partner is really into monogamy. Am I weird for that? Mm. Which automatically I know the answer is no to that mm-hmm. question. It's not weird of you. Um, but, you know, you've been poly for a very long time and I would love mm. to hear where that originally started. Yeah. And then I have some deeper questions to go into. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't even know polyamory was a thing. Um, I didn't know it was an option. I didn't know it was something available. Um, it was, I think, two, 2014 was the last time I was in a monogamous relationship um, until uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about that Yeah, too. so I'm, I am now officially in a monogamous relationship, uh, and it's been that long. 2015 was kind of about when it started. I started dating a woman who was in that world and in that scene and sort of introduced me to the term itself and the sort of vast network of polyamory in New York. Um, what is what is poly there? too? Because some people might not know even the difference yeah, between polyamory yeah. and open and open relationships. relationships. Yeah, and I think there's 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 multiple definitions for it. For me, um, poly meaning many, um, being um, open to having many different many many lovers as opposed to one. Um, but there's that's the thing. There's so uh, there's so many different distinctions in poly, and I've seen people do it horribly. Mm-hmm. And I people I've seen people do it wonderfully. I feel like I've done it horribly, and I've done it wonderfully. I don't. Um, people always ask, you know, are you poly? Are you this? And I'm like, I, I actually don't identify as poly. I, I don't identify as anything really, because I've been monogamous and I've been head over heels in love and totally satisfied, and I've been absolutely miserable in a monogamous relationship mm-hmm. and felt like I was in prison. And I've been head over heels in love with two different women at the same time, which I didn't know was possible until it happened. And those were, you know, four of the best months of my life. Are you kidding? I mean, it was it was amazing. Um, and I've also been completely in shadow and completely sort of um, in a space of what kind of almost just felt like an excuse for being non-committal in a way. I'm which very is, curious about that. Yeah, because yeah. I think it can be it can be weaponized like anything, and people can use it as an excuse. For me. The the advice I give to any and all of my clients or my friends just asking for relationship advice is I don't care if you're in a monogamous relationship or poly or open or however you want to categorize yourself. Honesty in real time. Honesty in real time. That's the challenge and that's to me the medicine for uh, a good, good, that's an interesting word to use, a, a, a nurturing, valuable uh, relationship with, with a real chance for longevity um being able to be honest with how you're feeling with what you want with what your needs are paul what polly has taught me and what the gift of it i think is um the necessity for clear and concise communication it was an amazing opportunity for me to get really clear on what i wanted and to really start to explore the opportunity of getting to have these things that i wanted getting to um you know communicate what i was okay with because it's like in theory, it's great. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna date like four different people, or I'm gonna have like four different lovers, and that's amazing, and you know, great. But then, what if the woman that I'm seeing also has four different lovers, and you know, I'm her Thursday guy, and she's got a Wednesday guy, and she's got a Tuesday guy. And how does that feel on the other side of the equation? So, there's this term uh, in poly that I really love called compersion, which is just such a juicy <laughs> word. Compersion, compersion. And compersion is um, the experience, the lived experience of 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 experiencing pleasure or turn on from um, 
your partner being with other people. Um, so it's like the opposite of jealousy in a way. Um, I don't know if it's the opposite. It's, it's something like that. It's something like yeah, that. Um, true. Yeah. And, and Polly really gave, you know, you want to talk about, I, I've heard a lot of people say, Oh, I, I don't feel jealousy. I'm not really jealous. I, I was one of those people. I felt like I didn't really experience jealousy. I'm confident in myself. And you know, if you want to be with me, you know, you'll be with me. And if not, you won't. Um, but you, you want to really start to dig into, um, the seven deadly sins and how they sort of live in your body in ways that you had no idea were there. Polly is a great way to, <laughs> to explore that because mm-hmm. I got to really feel where my jealousy was and the, the different aspects that would make me jealous, which really surprised me. Oh man, I have so many questions. Okay. So what if someone is jealous mm-hmm. and they want to try out polyamory mm-hmm. and one of the things that they say to their partner is, um, yeah, we can be with different people, but I don't want to hear about it. I don't mm-hmm. want to hear. Is that a bad way to start, Polly, if it's all based off of truth and communication to pretend like it's not there and not want to talk about it or hear about it? Or do you think that's a way people can do it and have a very healthy relationship? That is a way people can do it. Um, I think it sets a precedent for a, a level of communication because it's just there's there's going to be things happening and there's going to be things being experienced by both you and your partner that you don't want to hear about, that you're not going to talk about. Um, I've done that, actually. I've, I've had in, in my early stages <clears throat> in poly with one of my partners, you know, I we, we sort of had a bit of that, like, um, you know, do what you want, be safe, but I don't want to hear about it. Um, and that was sort of her ask of me. Um, again, it's 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 getting really clear on what you want and what you would need, and then being able to articulate that to your partner. And that it can often be that things don't line up. Your desires might not line up with my desires. Like I might actually want to know um, who you're with. And so it's it's for example, at one point, you know, my former partner and I, we. Uh, um, we were open. She was my primary partner. So she was she was my woman. She was my girlfriend. I was her boyfriend. We used those terms, um, but also like primary partner. So it would basically be that if, if we met someone and there was a resonance there, um, the ask was, could you please let me know beforehand um, if there's someone that you're sort of interested in or if there's a potentiality to hook up or have sex with this person? If it's, if it's, if you can, if, if there's an opening to let me know, please do. And what we were sort of addressing there was, you know, there, sometimes you just meet someone and you're in the thick of it with them. And, you know, like, hang on, let me call my partner. And maybe that doesn't quite fit in. So we, we gave ourselves a lot of leeway to sort of take good care of each other. Like that was sort of it. Like, I love you. Please take good care of me. Mm-hmm. I love you. Please take good care of me. Um, so there were a few times where it was the caveat to that rule was at the very least before you and I are intimate again together, if you've been with someone since our last moment of intimacy, we have to talk about it. That if you, if you say, for example, if I had been with someone last night and I came over to her place this morning and we had sex and I didn't tell her about this other person that that would be tantamount to cheating. That would, that would be be not taking care of her. Exactly. And there were moments where I didn't want to do that because I knew that this might be something that would bring up something for her or a conversation, or maybe I wouldn't get to have sex that morning because we'd have to talk instead Mm -hmm. of have sex. Um, But that's sort of, in a way, Polly is a lot more complicated in the sense of it often requires 
a lot more communication oh, yeah. and at least at, at the very least more frequent communication around things. But it, 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 that's the thing. It, it, it was very much a thing in real time where it's like we would have a, a sort of definition for where we were operating and then something would come up and I'd realize, oh, I actually, I'm actually not okay with that. I'm actually not okay with what we, we said. Um, for example, we, um, we went to our first like play party, like, like poly play party. And I was like a kid in a candy shop. Like, Oh my God, this is amazing. What is this all about? Um, but then something came up and, uh, I'm not going to get too specific because I just want to sort of keep the confidentiality of everyone. But, um, something came up that I thought I was totally down for in real time and it hit me in a place and it it like pulled me it was almost like a like a traumatic response like i almost kind of had a freeze thing that happened um i was able to sort of resource myself enough to sort of go to her and be like hey we we need to talk and it's really a really interesting experience to sort of be tapping on your partner's shoulder while she's in the in the act with with someone else when you're sort of having an experience of like uh but we had talked about that. We're like, I don't care if you're in the act of something. If something comes up for you that's not okay, you t- you tell me and it, and it stops. And I thought it was going to be me, the one that she was going to be coming yeah. to me with that. But it was me coming to her. Um, and, you know, like a, the darling she was, she 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 did stop. It kind of took her a second because, of course, you're in the middle of something. But we spoke and um, and it stopped. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the hardest things for me to sort of ask for that. Um, and it, it was, took me down a whole other, other line, but that's, I got to sort of explore aspects of myself in poly that I don't know that in some ways monogamy can allow for, um, Justin and London talk about a lot of stuff like this, where in, in monogamous containers, being able to love each other so deeply that each other's fantasies of different people or different energies or different archetypes that being able to sort of step into that energetically for each other, that there are ways to nourish those parts of ourself that do want variety, that do want... In a monogamous relationship. In a monogamous container, yeah. That that's sort of, again, that energetic agility of being able to bring out these... Um, you know, really getting curious and interested in what your partner's fantasies are. And it might be something you are not into at all. Yeah. Like, oh my God, he wants what? Really? <laughs> but this is the man I love. So can I, as an offering of love, because I think, and this is what they talk about all the time. It's so beautiful. It's why they're my teachers. It's like, we we have this love that we want to give and we want it to be give. We want it to be received a certain way. I'm hoping I'm um, getting this right. I think I am. Um, but often that's not necessarily the type of love or the way of love yeah. that people actually need, that your partner needs in that moment. So can you be a living emanation of love enough to, in times, be able to offer a form of love that maybe isn't the love you want to give, but it's the love that the person that you love needs? Yeah. And yeah. being able to offer yourself in loving service in that way and to do that for each other and to have those conversations and to have that level of communication. Mm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. One of the things, oh, for everyone listening, you're going to hear the dog barking next door. Mm. One of the things that I received as a question from my audience was around boundaries. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, I think having a monogamous relationship can be challenging enough time-wise mm-hmm. with like being an actor, building a business, getting back to your text messages, your phone calls, scheduling, oh, yeah. doing that with like having all that going on, then having a lover, then having another lover, and then having another lover. It can really lover. become a part-time job. It, it really sounds to like it. a full-time so, job. Yeah, depending I mean, on how. <laughs> that for me is like one of the reasons why I'm like, that's, I mean, I, there are a lot of benefits to it. As I'm getting older, I'm starting to think it sounds more and more great. Mm-hmm. Um and and that's for multiple reasons. Maybe I'll I'll share a little bit like my current relationship with all of this because I'm, it's it, I won't go into it now. But around boundaries and having to having to do this communication stuff sure. often with multiple people mm-hmm. and saying I hear you with multiple people. Like some people can't even say to one person I hear you because yeah. their defense mechanism is so strong. Absolutely. So it. I mean, I would think that starting with the one person in front of you and learning how to have that nonviolent communication is really important. I was about to say there's so many different forms of authentic relating now. Nonviolent communication is a great one. It's a very masculine structure. Um, it can it can feel very robotic sometimes. It often does for mm. me. Sometimes I yeah. just want to know how you feel. And it's like my, my inner woman wants to know how you feel. I'd rather feeling, do embodiment. You know? Just like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> like make yeah. sounds and become the animal that best represents how I'm feeling like oh, yeah. that to me is oh, yeah. way more feminine and fun but sure. nonviolent communication can be also I just can't lead it because I'm the yeah. same way I'm just like yeah. I don't want to go there I'd rather just do a sound to let you know how I feel right and that's that's the I mean to me that's the quote-unquote battle of the sexes right it's just a misunderstanding mm-hmm. that there are sort of two two extremes of of relating to things and often the things that make us attracted to each other are also the things that become that can become challenges because mm-hmm. they're different opposites attract but they also can repel in the sense of being 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 difficult in certain ways but uh, yeah there's what do you think so the question when when i was getting these questions saying like how do you talk about boundaries yeah. what kind of about ba- i don't even know what boundaries they're specifically talking about but i'm mm-hmm. sure you have a really good idea like what are sure. some boundaries that people typically try to cross in doing polyamory that you mm-hmm. have to then summon up your your skill to put a boundary around it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's this, um, hmm. like maybe even jealousy, like people getting jealous and then holding a container for that and setting a boundary for it. Yeah. Even, even, I mean, setting a boundary for what you're open to talk, to talk about at certain times, you know, like setting boundaries around how you communicate and when, that you know i'm i'm eating breakfast and i got to go to work right now i'm not actually open to you just sort of telling me willy-nilly about your hookup last night like i need mm. to it, the thing about again for for me for polly it 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 sort of forced me to get really good at communicating it forced me to confront the places and realize the places in my life that i was not good at communication mm-hmm. the places that i was hiding the part in me that still to the end would sort of have this sense of like being in trouble. Like, can I actually, is this actually okay? Yeah. Can I actually do this? And there's this part of me that f- would feel like I was getting away with something almost. Mm. That was my, it was my own stuff for sure. Um, and, you know, we, we certainly don't need to go down the rabbit hole of like biological dispositions between men and women and all of that whole sort of thing. I think it's an interesting place to go. But with boundaries, it's, you it, it, you have to get really clear on what those are for you, what which you is need. I which is I think the gift of it. Uh, with yeah. monogamy, there's almost like an inherited structure of it. There's a mm. idea of this is what it is and this is what you can do. But right, you know, wrong, good, yeah. Bad. Like I just had a conversation with my new partner around like um, because I do 
uh, a lot of different work and a lot of different workshops. And I was doing a workshop with uh, um, a really good friend of mine who does erotic blueprint work. And Genevieve. Genevieve, that's right. She's coming on the show soon. She's amazing. Oh my God, she's so amazing. Um, this li- is interesting because you do, yeah, you do a lot of intimacy work with other women. Yeah, right, right. And, you know, a question came up and, you know, Genevieve and her sort of brilliance was like, hey, um, I just want to make sure that your partner is okay with um, us doing this workshop together. And mm. if there's anything she would need. And I was just like, wow, that's such a, I mean, I immediately felt bad for not having thought of that first and not having extended that to her. Um, so I asked my partner and my partner was actually like, yeah, well, what are you guys doing? And there's a little bit of work that we do energetically where I, I I didn't even sort of realize it because I think I've been in sort of the poly world for so long, but like there's all different types of being monogamous. Like if, are you allowed to watch porn mm. in a monogamous relationship? Like what is that? What, what level of, of commitment to a partner are we creating? Like how... Uh, in this case, you know, sort of running running energy on Genevieve's body, and my partner was just really curious, like sort of, well, what do you, what does that mean? What are you doing? And I actually got a little triggered by it. We actually had sort of one of our first, um, I wouldn't call it an argument. It was just a really a really powerful moment where we both sort of got, I got triggered and then she got triggered because I got triggered because it's like, well, if he's getting triggered, what is there clearly was something going on here. Did you feel a little bit like this is your work? Like you can't be stopped from doing your work. I you think that to, was a big part of it yeah. for me. It was like, oh my God, like what do, what do you mean? Like how do I give up Like, how do I give up my life um, in a lot of ways? But what I'm really recognizing now is it's, it's helping me keep an even more clear container around my energy and sort of where it's going um, and how to be a steward of that. And how to, to to recognize projections and how to recognize um, just, I think, the effect that, that we just have on each other as human beings, men and women and everything in between. That so much of what I love about the poly world is this sort of, this sort of new um, sort of emerging of sex positivity in the world that sex is this beautiful, powerful, healing thing that not only that, but if you, you know, you really get into the the esoteric traditions around it and like the tantric traditions, like it's not, it's not just about pleasure. It's a vehicle for enlightenment. Like sex, sacred sexuality is a vehicle for enlightenment. And there are many traditions that are 5,000 plus years old that have used the sexual act, but specifically the, the, the body of the female as the tool for enlightenment that what we do. And, and so much of that work is, you know, and I'm using the terms he and she, but again, like I feel that um, same sex couples actually have a much better understanding mm-hmm. of polarity because, you know, there's a man and a man or a woman and a woman or however you want to identify. But the energy is always sort of like there's a top or a bottom or a dom or a sub. The energy always sort of div- divides in a, in a certain way to, to create that that polarity. And it must feel pretty empowering to be able to decide in the relationship, depending on the moment, which mm-hmm. pole is taken by who, rather than the automatic assumption that one's right. going to be in the masculine, one's going to be in the feminine. Yeah. And then again, there's that energetic agility and getting to play. Yeah. And what's it like, you know, if, if I sort of drop into my feminine and sort of let my, already, I've already mentioned her a little bit, you know, there's definitely a woman that lives in me <laughs> and, you know, getting to let her out and see how she wants to sort of move through this body and move through a, a, a biologically male body. Um, hmm. but it's just, it opens up a whole other realm of possibility and, 
feel like we're we're jumping around a bit here, but <laughs> yeah. it's good. It's good. So my the person that I've been seeing recently, I met him at a John Wineland workshop, and mm-hmm. he is seventeen years older than me. Mm-hmm. He lives in Maryland, mm-hmm. and he has two children. Mm-hmm. And here I am, 28 years old, living in New York City, acting and like living this life. And I've had these, these, this relationship in particular has brought up um, so much heart opening. Mm -hmm. I have felt, I have felt seen, I have felt cared for, I have felt loved, I have felt cherished Mm. in the ways I've been wanting so deeply for so long. Yeah. And I had an altar that was like in devotion to this man that was coming into my life and mm. all these things calling him in. And now I have this, this godlike man that's doing all of these things that's making me feel even more in my feminine. And of course he's four hours away. He has two <laughs> children and he's 17 years older than me. And so now I'm getting all these wonderful things. Mm. Like this, the, I'm afraid the, uh, the fear is like coming up in full force. And one of the things that we've been talking about over the past few weeks has been, and we don't have a name for it because I maybe I'm afraid of the names of being called like having a label like open or poly or what. So mm. my, mm what I said to him was something just like, you know, like the time when you're like dating someone at the beginning. And of course you're just not only dating that person, you're starting to date them and you're dating other people too. Like that's where we are right now. Right. Like I was just trying to find a way to, but I, I think really what, what I'm trying to do is continue to grow with this person without, um, without feeling like I can't live my 28 year old New York city free life. Mm. Cause I have a pattern of dating people long distance. Mm-hmm. That's something of my past because that actually was a way that I felt safe sure. from the closeness and intimacy. So I would date people from afar. Mm-hmm. And what I would also do when I dated people who lived in other countries sometimes would pretty much stop living my life. I'd stop living the very free social life I was living. I would stay on lockdown because I was now dating someone who lived afar. So it was a weird way that I like boxed up my life locally, but then also distanced myself from the love that I was with. Mm. So it's very interesting. And that's not what I want to do now. I want to protect and love and grow this connection. So we're doing something that is sort of open, I guess it would be, open primary partner but then also letting ourselves explore and be flirtatious with life so we're learning how to communicate and set set some um we have i wouldn't say we have clear communication around this yet we have vague communication around this so we're Mm -hmm. getting there Mm -hmm. but this conversation is really helpful to learn like how to communicate what we're comfortable with because when we were talking about this i was just totally honest with him and i said something like well, what I'm most comfortable with is me being able to do what I want and you not, you just being with me. <laughs> like That's all I want. Because <laughs> that's like, but then when I really slow down and, and think about it, I actually have, I have somewhat of compersion with him. Mm. When I think about him being able to express his protector masculinity with another woman, I'm like, that's pretty hot too. Sure, like I sure. like that too. Sure. So I think a lot of the parts of me that are shut off to this idea of expanding our love with other people just comes from my family mm. of thinking something is wrong with that, thinking something's bad about that, or I'm not fully, com- I can't fully commit to one person in love, which I know that I can, that's within me, mm. but there's a gift within all of these different dynamics. 
So, yeah. There is. Yeah, there is. I mean, I felt very similarly. You know, compersion for me was, you know, I loved my partner so much. And there was so much connection there where it was like, and so much trust where it was like, I, I knew that if she was going to hook up with someone, if, if she was going to open her temple to another human being, man or woman, because of the way she was living her life and because of the, who, the person that she, because of who, who she was as a person, that this person would probably be someone I would want to know. It would probably be someone that I would actually want to have in my life or in my circle of friends because, again, you know, just of wow. the woman that she was. So that's well, that really says something about her. Yeah, that's an amazing way to see your partner. Like. Absolutely. And if you're not, if that, if you, if you don't feel that way, if there isn't that trust, why are you with that person? Yeah. I think that's a lot of that's that's the hardest pill to swallow. I think for a lot of us, it's like, well, if you're struggling all the time and you're having a hard time and there's all these difficulties. Why are you with that person? And um, Justin and London always talk about this, you know, and, and, and data too. We always attract our reciprocal. That And what that means is, you know, and you seem to have done a lot of, a lot of your own personal work to identify that, well, I tend to attract people that aren't available because I'm actually afraid of mm-hmm. deep connection. So getting into the why we're attracted to what we're attracted to and our relationships being sort of the, I don't want to say battleground because that implies something, but just the training ground, the, the mm-hmm. testing ground for Sandbox. us. Yeah, for us undoing all of our conditioning and really having an opportunity to see if we're real, what we're really attracted to. Because so much of, I think, what we're attracted to or we think we want in our life in general, but specifically to relationships, is conditioned, is sort yeah. of what our mom told us was okay and what our dad told us wasn't. And we've adopted those ideals and now we think they're ours. So diving into really diving into relationship whether poly whether open whether monogamy gives us an opportunity to really discover who we are um in the world and just Mm -hmm. in general um and it's you know it was it was tough because all of my teachers are monogamous Mm. and they they sort of preach it as a gospel in a way and i can really understand it so i was sort of the i was sort of the other guy i was the guy that was doing poly um and it's 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 again i don't believe one is better than the other i don't believe one is superior than the other i think both have a lot of value and you should follow what is right for you and again if you're being honest in real time i think any any type of relationship can work it just requires that that willingness and that ability to be honest in real time and i think that in and of itself takes work it sure does for me why monogamy now for you because it was it was right and it was time because and I'll I'll give you this is this is the thing I could never sort of contend with when I was poly it's like you know wherever you're sitting right now um like grab a couple different objects like pens off your desk like we have some tarot cards here so like here we have one two three we'll say three three different cards okay put all of your attention on those three cards no, no. Put all of your attention on all three of those cards. Okay. 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna remove two of these cards. Okay. Now there's just one card. Now put all of your attention on that. Mm-hmm. Which is easier to do? Putting all my attention on the one card. Right, because there's there's it's just like like physics, right? Like there's three things here. So I guess by default, in a way, 
I can only put 33.33333% of my attention on any one of those things together if they're all three there together. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And for me, it's like I'm at a point in my life where I, I'm really craving focus. I'm leaving New York, like this sort of this space of all this different information, all this stimulation all the time, the, the, the multiverse, the multifaceted stuff, which is beautiful. For some people, that's the medicine. Yeah, me right now. For me right now, I'm the medicine for me is singular. Mm. It's going into a single pointed awareness place of um, both my job and my business and what I'm doing. Because my habit has been to be sort of this jack of all trades, master of none. Which again, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Though I've made it wrong for myself for a, a lot of my life. But I, I want to sort of focus on one thing and see what comes. And then from there, if and when it feels right, I can move on to something else. Um, but just putting all my attention in one place right now, there's there's just a, even saying it, there's just a, oh, there's yeah. just a oh, relaxation. I feel that body. for you. Are you yeah. taking your woman with you to Colorado? She lives in Colorado. Oh. So that's oh, sort amazing. of part of why I'm going out there. It's How close are, are you going to be to Boulder? Very close. She's in, um, uh, we're going to be in Denver. Oh, amazing. So it's like, yeah, I'll she's from Fort days. Collins. Uh, it's like a, yeah, like a little triangulation of space out there. I love so. Fort Collins. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. where I lived for the past six years. Just moved here from Colorado, wow. from Boulder. Yeah. Wow. This, well, and actually, it's been a year now. But yeah, I, I moved, and, and that's exactly what my life was full of, is just stillness. Mm-hmm. That's when I was really dedicated to the, my meditation practice. It was very calm. Yeah. Business was like the main priority of my life. Now it's all the things. Mm-hmm. Where you live really dictates a lot. Sure. It's very true. Absolutely. Your environment uh, dictates so much. All right. Mm. Let's see if I have any other questions around that. No, I think I think I want to ask you the divine deep dive round questions now. Come on, let's go. Because this stuff we've been talking about has been so trivial and superficial. (laughs) So so trivial, so small. Uh All right, what questions Mm. do I want to ask you? Ollie is having the best time hanging out with us. Mm -hmm. Well, before I ask you those, where can people connect with you online? Mm. I I do have a web page. Um, you have a great web page. Thank you. Thank you. I made it myself. It oh, only took beautiful. me, you know, a year. Um, <laughs> uh, it's michaelbates.com. I spell Michael a bit uniquely. It's my mom's spelling. It's M-I-K-A-A-L-B-A-T-E-S, michaelbates.com. Um, but you can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm pretty informal. I um, don't have... Uh, well, let me let me put it this way. I, I like I like personal interactions, and the work that I do is um, very individuated for the person. I don't necessarily have a set prescription and structure that I follow. I have a loose one, um, but I love to just sort of dive in with people where they're at and sort of create pathways for for growth. Um, I do a lot of men's work. A lot of men's work, sort of. Uh, tr- actually, I should I should throw this out. There, uh, tribe, tribe online community, uh, men's community is uh, a group that I work with. Justin's men's group, Justin Patrick Pierce, mm. Dave Burns, and Michael Holtz are all the f- the founding members of Tribe, mm. um, based in LA. But uh, I I sort of captain the New York City chapter here. Actually, I'm going to be leading a, a practice at my uh, at my place. Uh, this Saturday, December 21st, if you guys are in town from 12 to 2. Just for men? Just for men. Yeah, this particular practice. 
Um, but I, I love working with women. I love working with, um, people of all persuasions, everything inside and outside. Again, I'm a 11 year burner. I used to bartend in a house of yes. Um, <laughs> other are my people. They're my mm. people. They really are. Um, so much, so much gifts there. I've learned so much about myself and just the world and what it means to be other and different and such a thing to be celebrated. Um, and again, it's like, I, I just love it. It's like this sort of inside joke for me and sort of like the, the, the gender identity, um, conflagration right now, the argument around it that, you know, it's both, it's both like it's biological and it's cultural. Both are true. Um, there are, it's just such a, it's just such a wonderful moment right now for, for humanity. I feel like so many things being shifted, you know, the, the sort of 5,000 year thumb that's been pressed on the back of women is, is coming off in a major Mm -hmm. way. And there's so much movement happening so fast and the feminine is rising in just this astronomical, wonderful way. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of difficulty around it too, but just like this, the acceptance and recognition of otherness as well and how beautiful that is. And that we can use terms and for a lot of people, you know, a lot of people do identify with masculine and feminine. They do identify with man and woman. I think the statistic biologically is like 99 or 98% of people do identify with the body that they're in. But then there's also this other group that has so many, um, different aspects to it and so many different variables an infinite number of variables and what a thing to celebrate and just Mm. be a part of and again this divisiveness is just i think it serves a purpose and it's not a purpose that i want to i want to serve i want to i want to serve um i don't know love i guess i don't know how else to put it Mm. 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 i love all of this Mm. Spoken like a true House of Yeser. Aha. If anyone does not know what House of Yes Ride is, you got to go check yes. out House of Yes when you come to New York City. Mm-hmm. I will have all of um, his links that he just mentioned on the show notes to this episode, mattymoon.com forward slash Michael dash Bates. You can check them all out there. Cool. Divine deep dive round time. Yes, yes, yes. Hit me, hit me, hit me. What's the best investment under 10 grand you've made in 2019? <sighs> Wow. Under 10 grand. Holy smokes. Oh. I love asking this question to people who are always investing in themselves. Yeah. There's just so many amazing things. Yeah. Holy cow. I went to an ecstatic dance retreat in Guatemala Ooh. back in January. That was a pretty incredible, pretty incredible experience. Um, Justin and London's work. Um, sacred, sacred, uh, intimacy. Yeah. Um, please, please, please do yourself a favor and check them out. They are the best at what they do. They are, they're the best in, Mm. in the two bodied practice in the relational space in the, as, as they call it sacred intimacy. Um, they have a year long program that is still available. I believe, um, four different weekend intensives in Los Angeles in Topanga Canyon in this beautiful, beautiful space. Um, they're just masters at what they do and they teach from what they know. They don't pretend to, to, to put any platitudes or mm. crap out there. They're just so authentic. It's incredible. And they just teach from the living emanation of 10 years in relationship. And that's and what practice. I love about them actually yeah. being in relationship with each other. Yeah. And like having they have, a business and also they're working it. on their second book right now, which I'm super oh, stoked yay. about, but the one they have out now is the awakened woman's guide to everlasting love. It's one of my favorite books. It's, it's the book that I tell 
all of my clients to buy. It's like the number yeah. one first feminine masculine book. And for anyone listening to this, you're really interested now. I had London on the podcast a couple of years ago. Whoa. So you can go to maddiemoon.com, London-Angel-Winters. It, yeah, totally it was probably, two, yeah, it was a really good interview and I need to have her back this is on before, again. Yes, yeah, this is before she had her. Yeah. They had their kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. London had a kid at 47. I just want to put that out there. Amazing. A, a healthy child. London is brilliant. Uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant at uh, exercise science, nutrition, and, and, and I think just, I don't want to, I don't want to blow up her spot too much. I don't know if she wants this kind of attention, but I think <laughs> she could certainly have it if she wanted just sort of how to, yeah. how to, how to nourish your body and how to sort of just be, she's just such a incredible human being. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of, yeah, uh, just at a loss for words. Yeah. I mean, really. You, just, you have to listen to her. You have to know her. You have yeah. to check out her work. Yeah. If you were an inanimate object, what would you be and why? An inanimate object. Wow. Uh, I would want to be a mountain range, I think. Ooh. A mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe in the, I don't know, the high Sierras or the Himalayas. Himalayas, Himalayas, Himalayas. I hear it differently. What's the best book you read in 2019? Yeah. Sweet Lord. Oh, my God. That's hard. What's a great book you read in 2019? That's easier. God, that's still hard. Um, Can I say more than one? Yeah, Jesus. totally. We love books. Um, I mean, Justin London's book is there for sure. Um, God, I, I mean, I reread Way of the Superior Man, mm. David Data's seminal work, which I think a lot of people sort of find controversial, but I would just really encourage a thorough reading of it, um, a thorough reading of 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 his work and his I mean I when I first found his stuff I just dropped onto his YouTube stuff and it's just it's just such a wealth such a wealth of stuff um I reread Iron John by Robert Bly which is my most important book of all time for me I had another seminal men's work book Amir Kaliki he's also in this work he has his own men's group now I think he was the one who recommended that to me recently it's it's on my it's in my shopping cart Mm. Beautiful. Too. Beautiful. Uh, another controversial figure that I would recommend for everyone, I think, again, his work gets sort of um, categorized incorrectly and often sort of uh, dismissed when I think it is actually some of the most impartial work out there, if you really read it, is Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life. I don't know. Oh, you should you should check him out. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's controversial like in a lot of ways, but it's it's... I just I find him to be an impartial person. I don't I don't really if you really listen to his stuff I don't I don't really see him picking a side. I th- I think he is mostly when we're all human obviously and we all make make mistakes but I think I f- I find him to be devoted to the truth or to, at least empirically as a, as a clinical psychologist it's it's fascinating stuff. His biblical lectures actually have been blowing my freaking doors off. Because it's a psychological interpretation of the biblical stories, and they actually make sense. And I it's would like, listen to that for sure. It's messing me up because I'm like, I think I might be a Christian. What's happening? <laughs> but then it's like, I, what is Nietzsche's quote? Like, there was only ever one Christian, and he died on the cross, which is kind of a little oh, bit of I've never heard how that. I've always felt about about Christians. I would like to listen um, to what these are. 
these tapes? They've changed my life, honestly. I mean, I, I, it's not in book form, um, but Jordan Peterson's biblical Jordan lectures. Jordan Peterson's um, biblical lectures. They're okay. incredible. They're, they're about two and a half hours each. There's, I think, 17 of them. So for wow. my drive to Colorado, I'm going to be yeah. sort of sort of checking that out. Yeah. For sure. I'll do that too when I for fly sure. over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had to choose one type of food to eat for the rest of your life, like the rest of your life, Crikey. one type of, Crikey. and it can be a single food or yeah. it can be a, a dish. Yeah, that's, that's man. I you think, know. I think individually sushi has always been my favorite, mm. but I, I don't think I could eat it every day. So I would have to yeah. say Mexican. Well, it can't be a cuisine. It has to be what is oh, one actual food dish, like a taco. You eat a taco for the rest of your life. Yeah, but can I like choose the ingredients? It's the same ingredients every single time. So, like, but tacos have a lot of different ingredients. So I could have a lot of different things based on what I could fit into my taco. That's true. Yeah. So, so you're fortunate if you pick tacos. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with tacos. <laughs> okay, good. There's gonna be like grass-fed ground beef on there for sure, probably. Um, definitely avocado. I heard avocado is the, the food that you could survive the longest on, that it's the most complete really? food. Yeah. I thought that was sweet potatoes. No, no. I think I think it is actually avocado. I think you wow. would eventually die because I don't think there's vitamin C in avocados, so you would eventually die of scurvy or something like that. I might be mm. completely wrong, I'm realizing. But. There's a show on Netflix that talks about the like the black market behind foods oh, and yeah. avocados people have actually died and been kidnapped oh it's serious right now like there's it's talk crazy. of boycotting avocados because the yeah. cartels in mexico have, but if have we also pushed into the avocado business if we boycott them then also a lot of people like it, that's a big way of making money in mexico right yeah so it's really people... tough it's not just a there's a lot of different variants to it because there are the people that make a living doing that but yeah there have been talk of boycotting mexican avocados but almost all the avocados come from mexico so yeah, California. I don't, I'm not. I don't feel educated enough on the subject to properly talk about it. But avocados are freaking amazing. All right, last question because you are an actor. Yeah, man. If you were to play a, if you were to play a character, a role in any movie that already exists, like you've seen a movie and oh you've watched this god. character, and you're like, oh, question. that's the one I want to play. Oh my god! What would it be? Jesus. <laughs> I mean, how do I answer that? I mean, it would be either, either Neo in the Matrix, mm. Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. Or Trinity in the Matrix. Which one's Trinity? That's the that's the that's the lady. Oh. Oh yeah. So definitely the Matrix. Okay. Probably that. Um, maybe Brad Pitt in Fight Club. I could so see you be in the Matrix. Yeah. As Keanu Reeves. Maybe Daniel Day Lewis in Last of the Mohicans because that's kind of my favorite movie of all time. Because I was in, uh, it was the first R-rated movie I was allowed to see. I think I was in seventh grade. So it made a pretty big impression on me. I was also completely in love with the younger sister uh, in that I need film. to watch that movie. It's incredible. I, I watched it when it's I was a kid, but everyone keeps... Unbelievable. In the acting world, like Daniel Day-Lewis is a huge deal. Yeah. And I don't really know who he is. Uh, this was I right when he was sort of... This was like 1992, I think, when that film okay, came out. Okay, I was one. So. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. I don't know. Yeah. You probably shouldn't have seen that movie <laughs> when you were one. I'm glad your parents didn't take that's, it. That's probably the, time, the last time I saw it. I was like... 
you know. It's worth it's worth checking out. It's it's one of the two films that I think are actually better than the book, and the mm. book is great. It's very different. They changed it, a ton of it, but it's it's the film is actually better than the book. The other one I would say is actually Fight Club, and Polaniuk is one of my favorite authors of all time. If I've already noticed this, half of your books are yes. like his stuff. Same, but there's something about the film that getting to sort of see mm-hmm. the the condition between you know his psyche and sort of what's happening Ugh. and the projection of this other person it's just fucking brilliant that was one of my favorite movies for it's so just brilliant. long it's so good The oh. Matrix and Fight Club came out the same year I think it was my freshman oh. year in high school wow. or no in, in college and it was like they came out like within months of each other what and I just year. remembered like just I just sat in the theater after both of these films I just sat there they turned the lights on they're like sir sir <laughs> sir you need to leave now sir and I was just so blown Touched. blown open yeah. yeah i literally left the theater then went and bought another ticket and went right back wow. in and saw it again oh you have so much integrity to yeah. just not just stay there you went and bought oh. <laughs> <laughs> well they wouldn't let me i mean i i didn't even think that maybe that's something yeah. i could have done yeah, I was a, oh I was a wow good kid i guess yeah you some are ways. a good kid very good movie choices yeah. um michael thank you so much for coming i don't on thank you for having me beautiful this was so much fun so much i could fun. keep talking to you for hours i know this conversation is not done yet i'll have to have you back on oh please Everyone, to get the show notes, to get the links, to get the full transcript for this episode. That means every single thing we talked about written out. You can highlight it. You can save it. All of those things. Dang. Yeah. I'm excited Not about that. Not holding back. It's really exciting. You can go to maddiemoon.com forward slash M-I-K-A-A-L dash B-A-T-E-S. C'est moi. <laughs> yes. And you can get everything over there. Uh, how'd you like this episode? Let us know. You can leave a comment on the show notes or you can go to Instagram. You can send us an email Mm -hmm. or comment on Instagram and tag us both. We would love to know what you learned from this. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And we'll see you next week for another great episode on the Mind Body Musings podcast. Boom. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.